0: Welcome to this week's treasury career corner podcast where i interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers each and every week i talk to them about how they build their careers where they are now where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next let's get on with the show this week's show I'm delighted to be joined by michael fox the group treasurer at quinity group plc Liquidity Group is a British-based outsourcing business focused on providing administration and payment services for supported by technology platforms. Share registration, number of investor services, that's how I've known the group, based in the UK. I'll get Michael to go through that, but we were just talking before the show. He's got this in-depth experience of all these different industries, which I think a lot of people can sort of relate to and learn from. And that's what I want to explore with him as we go through the show. So we're going to have a a rattle through his career history, dig into some areas and then we'll, we'll talk about some of the areas that he likes as well later on in the show. So so Michael take us back with your career today how you got started in treasury because one of the things I was going to say you did European business as a degree and then discovered you know the world of treasury and stuff so talk us through how it
1: all started for you sir. Good morning Mike and thanks very much for having me as a guest. Today. Pleasure. Not not, not. Not every day that you get to to talk about a treasury career on a podcast. So, <laughs> it's and, and I actually think it's one of the most varied and interesting jobs in corporate life. So I'm very excited to be able to talk about it today. I think it's fair to say that there probably aren't many people that that start out their career and and say I'm I'm going to go for a job in corp in the corporate treasury world. I think that's quite unusual. Most people seem to fall into it by accident and. If we go back to where I started my career, it was with Tate and Lyle and I started on the graduate training program. And that would have been initially a three-year rotation around different departments. And my first rotation was in the Treasury function, which was all very new and exciting for me, and I, I instantly had an affinity for, for for the types of activities that we were doing. Um, you may recall this that that the Tate and Lyle Treasury function was for a very long time a proprietary trading function, which was a profit centre yeah. that had just about finished when I started. So there had been a there had been a number of corporate blow-ups and it was soon realized by boards that writing naked options just to, just to attract the premium as an income wasn't such a great idea <laughs> and all of that was stopped but but that but the but the legacy in terms of how the tate and lyle treasury function was set up was was still there and they had a very advanced front office Mm. function i managed to get through the first year of the rotation and just as we were sort of talking about where to go for the second second year a treasury dealing job became available and they asked me clearly I'd had a bit of practice covering for the traders while they were on holiday or, or not available mm. I had that experience and so I was I was asked if I wanted to take that job so I only got through one year of the rotation and I immediately Straight took, onto a, it. took on a permanent permanent job in the in the treasury as a front office dealer.
0: And, and, you know, again, you and I both know Tate Nile. For some of our foreign listeners, they'll go, Tate and who? What was the sort of business of Treasury? Because again, that's a theme throughout your career that you then went from there, we'll come on to it in a minute, Time Warner, but you've been in different industries, but Treasury is Treasury and has some commonalities, obviously some differences, but, you know, describe that if you would for the listeners.
1: So at the, t- at the time, I think Taytonar was 50, 250, 50, 350, maybe. So it was it was quite quite a large PLC. It, it was predominantly around refined cane sugar. Uh, there was a big there's a big factory down down in Silvertown. They had also operations in Europe, and also in the in the US and in Australia through various different related products, so sweeteners and thing, things like that. It was primarily a, a commodity business, but also manufacturing as well. I think the main aspect of that, that role was, was around managing foreign exchange. There was, there was debt. There were a lot of moving parts in terms of liquidity management as well, with, with cash going in and out of various different bank accounts across Europe. U.S., Canada, the UK, and so it was. It was primarily the front office desk was was primarily around foreign exchange hedging management and liquidity management as well. And then that was your sort of
0: grounding foundation, if you like, for sort of seven years or so. Before then, time for a move, and you went into media. So, you know, talk us through that.
1: So, I, I yes, I did. I did. I sort of advance from the treasury dealer to to, to through some treasury analysts, treasury analyst roles as well while I was at, at Tate and Lyle, And I got to a position where I I thought that it was it would be quite difficult to advance any further within within the organization unless I was prepared to be very patient. And at the same time I had when I started the graduate training program, I enrolled for, for the SEMA qualification. Mm-hmm. So so I did, whilst I was uh, doing the dealing role, I did complete the SEMA studies and qualification. And then I moved straight on to AMCT and also qualified as a as a member of the corporate treasurers. So I did, did pretty much all of my exams while I was at, at, at Tate and And I just felt that I was ready to take that. Skill set forward, yeah. and and again, as we, as we you alluded to in, in in terms of looking at my career path to date, it's a very standard corporate treasury evolution. As in, you're going from analyst to treasury dealer to senior treasury analyst, and then my role at Time Water in in the, in the media industry was treasury manager. So and I had a couple of direct reports for the first time. And Time, time Warner was the, the European treasury function for the global business.
0: And how was that different? You know, again, we know sort of it was an interesting one. Just reflecting back on what you said there, I remember when I first, I think back 20 odd years ago, I used to have that question in our salary survey. We've just done our current one. And it's got the working from home question at the end. And I used to have, and, and I quickly retired it. It was just at the end of that time. And it was like, is your treasury a, a profit center or service center? And, and in the first one I ever did, it went, yeah, uh, or some profit center. And there was this, and it sort of rapidly went. I think it was about, probably about 20% had a sort of element of profit. Within a year, it went to 5%. And within a year, it was gone. It was like, you know, it was a, a non-question you you were moving from that sort of environment to this you know more of a service based treasury environment exactly as it is helping the business what was what's you know how was that different for
1: you there was that aspect to it and and also it was a, it was the first time where I wasn't in the effectively the head office yeah. decision making Unit either it was a change and and the the sort of while I was there the, the the two main projects for me were European cash management and putting in a new treasury management system. So immediately we'd moved away from the financial risk management piece. We'd moved away from from capital structure, the debt funding piece, and it was it was those other areas which are maybe less exciting but nevertheless still still essential tools yeah. in the treasurer's armory in 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 terms of treasurer's armory in terms of what 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 they will need as they as they sort of move through their career and 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 having the sort of the detailed experience of how these things work because they're all they're all clearly very important activities
0: and then you made them you know you were you were there for a period of time started to do that and then made the joined Reuters and again you know most people in Treasury might understand this but you know again some of our others you know what, what was the move to Reuters you know and that and as you started you were then starting to progress with your career talk us through that if you would.
1: Yeah so the Reuters opportunity came up quite quite quickly actually I think I was at Time Warner for about 12 months and then I was made aware that there was a, a role it was as assistant treasurer at, at Reuters and it was, it was just something I had to, to go for, really. It was a FTSE 100 company at the time based in Canary Wharf. And again, it was a step up from treasury manager to assistant treasurer. It was a larger team. It was back into the world of the corporate center. And the activities that that, that treasury function were in, in involved in were, again, yeah, back into, into the area that i was most interested in really so again it was it was more and i would say from if we're thinking about picking up skills and you know, moving moving from industry to industry but but also each treasury function within that company had a had a slightly different focus in, on, on, on what it needed to do and this is certainly one of the things that that I, I would come on to in terms of the tips for, for, for people that, that are thinking about a career in Treasury or, or already in that career and, and would like to progress. One of the things that is is vitally important is really understanding the value drivers of that business and how the Treasury function can support the business to, to, to realize as much value as, as, as possible and how the areas in which it should focus going back to to, to to the Reuters role again that was I suppose it was it was still media to it to, to a degree but it was very much focused on there were a lot of acquisitions divestments so the emphasis there was was very much on capital market activities, Rating agencies, commercial paper. There was there was a bit of foreign exchange as well, but not not as much as there was at, at, at Tait and Lyle. So it was managing interest rate risks, managing currency profile of, of debt, managing cash balances as well. While we were doing twin divestments and acquisitions, and there were a lot of it was it was two thousand and five to two thousand and eight. So it was just just before the the financial crash. Yeah, there was a lot of Lose credit there were a lot of funky structures going on very very much less governance than, than there would be today i mean we did we did have sarbanes oxley coming in as well but in in terms of what boards were prepared to do there was still there was still quite a few structures that the that, that banks were pushing and the corporates were signing up to and again because i don't want to run
0: out of time today because i think it's interesting when we reflect on a couple of those points then made this move and, you know, big role, group treasurer exchanging. You know, can you describe that company for us? Because you were there nearly eight years. And uh, that really, you know, one of the key things you and I talked about as part of that was that, and I I was saying to Michael before the show, that you, and and looking at this, you became the sort of advisor to the CFO. And we'll we'll explain what that means. But can you then talk us through that? So you've been the assistant treasurer, then got the number one job. Yeah, you know, so go through go through
1: that. That was the big step up for yeah. me. That was the first number one role as, as treasurer, where you are when you're in the driving seat, but also the buck stops with you. And so, so exchanging doesn't exist, doesn't well, I, I guess the products and services still exist in some form, but it, it was a business process outsourcing company that was IPO'd in probably around two thousand and. Seven, I would, I would think. I, I joined shortly after that, and it was a very exciting business to be in at the time. There was a lot of it was a it was a B two B business, not very well known, other than the fact that they sponsored the boat race at the time. So that yeah. is why some people still still remember it. Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, you know, it, it was a very exciting time, but it, it quickly got very challenging. So not only was there the Step up to the number one role and and all of that accountability and responsibility. They didn't they didn't really have a because they're just IPO. It would have been one of those classic cases of you know who, who's going to do the all this treasury stuff. Oh, we haven't really got anyone. Sometimes the FP&A guy does a little bit on the side, and sometimes some of the accountants do a bit. But they didn't they didn't have a they didn't have a, a, a treasury professional in there. So I was the first person. So there was there wasn't very much when I got there. They had just done a large acquisition of an Indian listed business with operations in the US. It came with a quite a lot of debt. There was a revolving credit facility in the UK as well. And within probably 12 months of me starting, they had issued a huge profit warning about to breach all their covenants. The, the founder and CFO... Had left, and quite frankly, for for a, for a novice treasurer, it was bit of a roller coaster a challenging position to be in. Exactly. So, and and, and you know, looking back, I mean, that, that's where I would have got the most experience in my career in the shortest period of time because everything was well, one you, you i mean you'll you'll be familiar with this so one, once one thing goes wrong it's just it's just like a pack of cards everything then just triggers and, and goes wrong so it you do you do lurch downs quite quickly and the you know at one point we were definitely facing you know you we were doing liquidity forecasts and saying we've got we've got months of, of cash to go before we have to say that we, we've we run out of money. Yeah.
0: And then with that sort of, you were starting, so you're in this firefighting situation, you, you, you're you getting through it and you're then bringing, actually, yeah, that's a good point. You're bringing people on board and saying, Hey, come join me. We've just issued a profit warning. It's great here. <laughs> and yeah, people are yeah. like, uh-huh, right. Okay. How did you, you know, convince them? Cause I've sometimes, you know, I've, Presented roles to people, and they've said, "Well, oh, what's it like?" I mean, it's horrible, and I'm not saying it was a horrible role, but what I'm saying is, people go, "Oh, okay." I said, "No, the first, you know, three to six months is going to be tough, but then at six months, you're going to start to move, you know, to a more stable state, and you're going to actually be the person that led that change, and then by 12 months, this is where you're looking to be, and inevitably, a lot of the time, it happens sooner. A few couple of times, it has taken that time. You know, were you in that situation when you're bringing people on board, or how did you sort of instill that throughout the team sort of thing
1: you're right that's that's the point where you need you need the most resources to to help you get out of that position and and it's not really the most attractive offering in the world to get people to sign up to i mean without without getting into all all the details the key thing really was to was to get a plan to, to to avoid the insolvency situation so it was it, it was very difficult in terms of the you know, going through a distressed credit refinancing with our banks. We went through a full workout process with a with an independent auditor and we got to a position where where we we could keep the business going and were able and, and actually we're Went through quite a good phase of stability and then and then growth, which is why I stayed there for as long as I did. Actually, because it was there was never anything that was routine about about life at exchanging. But in but in terms of in terms of recruitment, I, I was quite lucky in the sense that the we had a very as as part of being a business process outsourcer, where exchanging were deriving most of their value it was was by doing the outsourcing work in. Delhi and Bangalore so we had a, a big pool of very experienced talented resources in India and, and so I was able to recruit through that and, and have people that were really involved in the business rather than bringing people in from outside.
0: And actually yeah help you and things like that that knew the group and things like that so you then also talked and I, I said to Michael before this that some CV's resume aren't the best but I I loved the briefing notes that you'd sent across to me and one of the key things you talked about was by rising you know helping raise the profile of the treasurer position you then became more involved with the board and you became you know an advisor to the CFO how did you instigate that because I think a lot of treasurers listing today you know particularly you know we sometimes give the advice for the treasurer managers how to improve their careers and everything else we've touched on that a bit but for those treasures, you know, war stories and things like that, how did you go about that? You know, was it by saying, let's have a, you know, a daily chat or, you know, what, what was the sort of the, the process of getting to know, you know, helping the CFO that you then became his finance advisor on a regular basis?
1: For exchanging, I, I mean, remember, I was, I was still a, a very novice treasurer at yeah. that stage. So I hadn't I didn't I didn't go in there with with that as a an idea. It wasn't a design by me when I went in there to, to, to achieve that, but essentially by doing what I did with the refinancing and, you know, clearly there was, you know, a lot of involvement with the board and the CFO and the, and the CEO at that stage, that just by doing a very diligent job as, as a treasurer, you, you you sort of built up that that credibility initially in delivering what you said you were going to deliver. You know, u- ultimately supporting the CEO and the CFO in terms of what they had said to the to the market. So credibility is 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 the first building block. I think you know, reflecting back. The other thing that I did, and this was over, this is probably over a number of years, I and mean, yeah. it doesn't, it's not something that happens instantly. But my approach to the role of treasurer is always very much outward looking. And rather than just focusing on what people might think are the very specific treasury functions and activities, I would always be looking to get involved in other aspects of the of the business. And I think having having the accounting qualification was very helpful in that respect because it meant that I could get involved in things like understanding a bit more around what we were doing in our financial statements and how that was being perceived by the market and giving giving the CFO some advice in terms of how to maybe message cash flow, cash generation, and how to bridge that to the the actual statutory financial statements, getting involved in lots of different other activities, which sometimes fall within the treasurer's remit, sometimes they don't, like insurance, like pensions, contracts, renegotiations to make sure that where there is an opportunity to create economic value we we can as much as possible and use our, our skill sets to, to to support that activity. And then generally and then I guess it sort of move, it just moves on from there and with with that approach and that attitude and there's in most corporate functions mm. and, and, and finance functions these there's you know, there's lots of historical issues that, that keep resurfacing that I think the the treasurer has the skill set to, to to start to unpick some of the complexities of these of these problems and, and and sort them out you know knowing about the on the legal side around legal entity structures on the accounting side on the tax side and I think the treasurer is, is unique in his ability to be able to pull all of those different disciplines together to come up with the right answer and to explain it in terms that the CFO can understand.
0: And you then, you know, you were there till 2016. And then very interestingly, you know, in today's market with Everything about renewables, everything about ESG, you know, it's, you know, you probably get an email a day, I do, come to this ESG thing, come and do this, come and do this, you know, and it's the the catchphrase, but you then made a move into that industry, maybe talk us through that, you know, transition, if you would.
1: That did put me out of my comfort zone a little bit. Mm. It was something that so so I I was able to to take a bit of a, a risk with that one because of the way that things ended with Exchanging so they were they were ultimately acquired by CSC and they they removed the the corporate function. So I I didn't really have a, a choice in terms of having to move and this was something that came up which at the time was yeah you know, a very exciting opportunity but but as i say it was a little bit out of my comfort zone because we were i was moving then into a renewable energy company that was effectively a platform for two large canadian shareholders two two large pension funds and it it was a portfolio of renewable energy assets that they had acquired from santander with a view to growing and Operating the assets within within that portfolio, and that that would be growth either through constructing new assets or, or, or acquiring portfolios of assets and project finance for infrastructure assets. Obviously, wasn't something that I had come across previously in those in those other roles. So that was that was all, all very new for me.
0: And you know, what was it like? I, I touched on it earlier. You know, you gone from media through outsourcing to renewables you know and what you and i we joked before that you know treasurers have the same toolkit if you like but all very different jobs and the people listening today will might all have the title treasurer each doing it in a different way what were the commonalities or you know what was your checklist sometimes when you started in the you know the role at cubico and things
1: well, well, again, it, it was another startup <laughs> treasury function for me. You know so, so that that was that was another thing that appealed to me in in the sense that I, I you know, there was a clean slate for me to, to 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 put my my mark on. And so, so for me, the sort of the first things are let's get a treasury policy established. Let's get let's get some governance around that policy. I will always instigate a treasury committee. So that would that would be the treasurer, the the CFO, sometimes the CEO, usually the head of head of finance, whoever that is, maybe other other roles as well, and that would be the forum for monitoring compliance against the treasury policy, going through the treasury performance metrics whatever they are for that particular business and industry and also just generally a a forum for decision making and discussion on on various things so they're the first things that that i get in place making sure that we had a good forecasting process established cash cash forecasting process that's probably where the similarities ended to most of the other other roles that i had because funding was never really an issue because we would always get equity from our investors for new projects and they would always be levered to about 75 80 percent so going from the exchanging we could we could run out of cash here that was that was the opposite end of the spectrum in that you've got two Canadian shareholders with with multi-billion Canadian dollar yeah uh, pockets that, that that would always and, and wanted to grow the business. So they were looking to deploy capital at that point. So so it was a, it was a shift of emphasis in terms of getting the right project financing in place, using the right banks. And then what we did do was we did put in a revolving credit facility, which that that was pretty difficult in itself because there were no cash flows to support it. So right. move away from from normal. Investment get grade corporate banking to say, look, you know, this isn't, this isn't, the, you know, the, the credit story here isn't that you're going to have cash flows to repay the RCF. Credit story for Cubico was was very different because mm-hmm. rather than being based on cash flows coming up from the assets to, to, to service the RCF, it was very much based on the fact that the investors would not. to to default on an RCF would not give up the 3 or 4 billion of of, of equity interest that they had in the portfolio. It was a very different story. It's quite difficult to get some of the banks to, to, to get on board with that. But essentially what what I ended up doing was 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 bringing in the project finance banks into the corporate rcf so they could see both sides of the story and they were obviously very interested in in getting new project finance transactions put their way so it made perfect sense to 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 get them into the into the RCF. So by doing that, we were able to to bridge capital calls, which was great for our investors because it meant that rather than just every single bit of equity that we needed, we asked them for. We were able to bridge that and and do less frequent but slightly larger capital calls, which were which worked really well for them.
0: And then again, we spoke before that you then made a, a move more recently. Bring us up to date with you, and then we'll, we'll dig into a couple of
1: other questions. Okay, well, I, I was at I was at Cubico for for about three and a half years in the end, and it was a fantastic company to work for. It, it really was quite a quite a small team. I saw it grow from I think fifty people to to, to just over two hundred, and it was one of those companies where you you knew absolutely everyone there, and it was fantastic. And they were based in Madrid, New York. Rome, Mexico City, so a, a, a really international group and it was just a fantastic role and, and a great part of my career. I, I eventually decided to leave because of the fact that I thought that in terms of learning new things, a little bit of inertia was was setting in. And what I wanted to do was to move back into a PLC international group that had some debt and that's when I moved to Equinity in June 2020.
0: And who are Equinity for the international listeners going you know before they start typing it into Google?
1: I think I think a few people would would probably recognize yeah. Equinity. They are probably most well known for the fact that they are the they act as a share registrar for a lot of the FTSE 100, also as a, a corporate sponsor nominee for, for a lot of them as well. They also do some pension administration and credit and remediation services as well.
0: And, you know, as treasurer there, what, what's it been like? Again, you've got this history of going in, setting things up and sorting stuff out. And, you know, that, that's a bit of You know, right. Let's get the let's get the notebook out. Right. Where do I start here? You know, what's it been like?
1: It was definitely a more, much more established treasury function to, than, than, than certainly I had at Cubico in, in exchanging. They're obviously, it, it, so, so Quinity has has had a very past, uh, came out of Lloyds Bank originally, was acquired by Advent, IPO'd. And some of the legacy processes and procedures, should we say, have not not been sort of really focused on, and, and there was a lot of things to do to modernise the way that the treasury function operated. So one of these, one of the things that we did do was we we put in a a new treasury management system. So that's FIS Integrity, which we are using to to manage the balances on our on our client cash so there's there's always something different isn't there mike in in the the treasury job so the thing that was slightly different for equinity was the fact that they have about three billion pounds of client cash which they manage and can and can earn the interest from so interest rates going from 75 basis points down to to 10 and in the us i think we're they were over over two percent at one point, and the Fed funds target rate is zero to twenty five basis points. So that that's that's had a massive impact in terms of the business and the earnings for for Acuity. So there's there's a lot of emphasis in terms of driving value from interest rate hedging on the asset side rather than managing the interest rate risk on the on the liability side and also sort of trying to optimize how that portfolio of client cash is is held to maximize interest income from it so the what? the this kind of the foot, footnote I suppose to yeah. this, which is 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 where my story today is going to is going to end, is that the board agreed earlier this year to well the shareholders ultimately agreed that but that but the board recommended an offer by Sirius Capital, and so that's uh, that's the transaction that's in 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 progress at the moment.
0: You gently touched on which obviously is sensitive, so. We, we we will look forward to seeing what comes through that, sir. So, you know, reflecting back, we, we spoke before the show, some people, you know, I talked to and they've got a passion about blockchain or, you know, different passion areas. One of the things that you and I talked about was this evolution of your career and, you know, the accidental treasury route, as, as we always talk about with lots of people. But if you reflect back before we, you know, come to your top tips, if you like, for the end of the show, as you always do, you know, looking back over it, you know, what are the areas that, you know, say you're a treasury manager today and you're listening. You know, what are the things you think that people should try and think about? They, they're listening to this on their way into work. Some people are back to commuting. And, you know, a couple of the things they should be thinking about doing or other treasurers out there. something. Sort of what, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, what I would say is you definitely, definitely take ownership for, for your treasury career it certainly isn't some people get lucky and they they can they can they can run their entire career through a, through a single employer but in most cases i would say you really do need to to take ownership for it and plot your way through the evolution to group treasurer if that's if that's ultimately what what your target is it isn't easy to do you really need to be proactive you need to make sure that within The team you're in at the moment, you do ask for exposure to to various different things. I've been in corporate treasury for over 20 years now, and there are still things that I'm learning. There's there's so many things that the treasurer can get get involved in within the organisation, and and it's just. Yeah, the, the 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 limit is is in, is self imposed really. As I said before, uh, uh, being outward looking is definitely a benefit to being a successful treasurer and getting involved as many different things as you can. There are so many things that you 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 can add value to as a treasurer, and ultimately that's what your function is going to be judged on these days. We could
0: use those as our closing notes. Actually, we will put Michael's LinkedIn details in the show notes so if it's worth having him in your your circuit and network and everything else that's definitely just with with, those are quite a good wrap-up but is there anything else you would just give to people today you know you reflect back maybe on your personal journey if you like what have you thought that you know what you got into this a few years ago now as we talk about about 20 odd years ago and and it's coming up for our 19th anniversary as a business which is quite a weird one but you know, as you look back over that, you know, anything else that you think that people should be thinking about, and let say, we're we'll putting your LinkedIn details in the show notes, but recommendations someone comes to you and says, "Come have a coffee and just talk about anything i'm I'm not doing right or whatever." you know I thought there were some good tips there, but anything else we've missed?
1: Ultimately, I'd say that look, the, the, the role of the treasurer is quite quite unique. In the organization it was it was one of the things that dawned on me a little bit when i think it was probably the first time when i was exchanging that no one else in the organization understood liquidity management understood the impact that things like cash flows would have on debt covenants no no one is looking at this and so you you have to realize as a treasurer that if you don't do it no one else will do it and it's a. It's ultimately a forward-thinking role. You, you, you have to be doing the catastrophizing. You have to be doing the what-if scenarios. I mean, a very, a very quick, very quick story, Mike. I'm on it. this, I mean, I, I, I remember when I was at Reuters and we did when we had one of these. I was talking about the funky structures that we that we were that were quite prevalent around that time, and we did one with a bank, and ultimately, it was a tax arbitrage structure where we would put cash with this bank, and ultimately, it was way above any of our counterparty credit limits that, that that we had set ourselves. And the treasurer said to me at the time, he said, well look, this is this is great, but there's no way I can take this to the board because we're 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 over our, our limits. And I said, well look, why don't we why don't we do a credit default swap then? And a bit of an explanation as to what what that was yeah. and whether or not we could actually actually execute one. But but we did. And for for what ultimately was quite a small premium at the time, we we had the the, the counterparty credit exposure. Now that was, I think, I think the structure unwound in maybe two thousand and seven. But you know, look, if we were carrying that over the next year or a year and a half, I mean, that that's one of those scenarios where everyone was saying. Banks don't go bankrupt. What, what are you talking about? So you've got to be thinking about these things. Like I say, no one else, no one else does, and it's 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 ultimately down to the treasurer to, to, to be that to be that kind of voice of doom, as it were, to, to sort of stress test scenario test things and say, look, we just need to be as protected as we can in in all the different circumstances. And then what is Plan B if if anything does happen that that will start to sort of stress the business.
0: Yeah, amazing advice there today Michael and I think people will get a lot from it as they always do I mean and and it's great your sort of journey over those different industries and different checklists if you like as well so we'll put your LinkedIn details in the show notes people can connect to you and you know can't wait to see you in the real world one day um, when we're when we're allowed out of our houses but we're we're slowly getting there so uh, thanks very much for your time today it's been great thank you Michael. Uh,
1: Thanks very much Mike it's been, been great chatting to you this morning thank you. Great stuff.
0: Hello, it's Mike here again. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. If you did, then maybe you want to follow the show or subscribe depending on where you listen, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, or another great place to listen to the show from. It's totally free and means that you'll be the first to see each and every week when we release a new show. And maybe whilst you're there, you could even leave a quick review. Reviews and ratings are among the most important metrics for a podcast to effectively rank. And as you can probably appreciate, the podcast is a lot of hard work to produce every week. It'd be amazing. Just take, say, 20 seconds, leave a quick review of my amazing guests and their great career stories. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks very much, and I can't wait to see you soon.